Aha. I wonder what have you been thinking about? What's been on your mind? What's been occupying your attention? Um, I can tell you, if you want to turn with your, me and your Bibles to Colossians chapter 3, I can tell you quickly while you're doing that what I've been thinking about a lot at the moment. So I've been thinking about finances, you know, inflation's happening, grocery bills are going up, my Kiwi saver is tanking, so I've been trying to figure out how do I get my Kiwi saver back to health, you know, it looks really bad. Um, and so I've spent a lot of time, you know, what's going on with my Kiwi saver? Why is it? $3,000 or whatever, lower than it was, I don't know, in January. Um, I invested money in January, now I'm really sad. Um, and so I've been trying to figure out how to fix it, you know. And so I listened to this podcast on RNZ, um, this lady, Mary Home, uh, she knows a lot about um, Kiwi Savers. And so I was listening to her talk about it, you know, trying to help me think through how Kiwi Savers work. Um, and I found her advice quite helpful, so I thought I'd share some of it with you, and it kind of ties into our passage today. So essentially, there are three steps to KiwiSavers. KiwiSavers involve three steps. If you go into your little KiwiSaver plan, I have Kiwi Wealth, which is the Kiwi Bank version. You go into the plan there, and it starts with the first step, which is visualize. What do you want to have in retirement? What do you want? Uh, let me take this mask off, actually, for a second here. Try and make it a little bit better. Um, yeah, so the, the Kiwi Savers try to get you to visualise what you want. Uh, do you want a regular retirement? If so, it'll be apparently about $790,000. If you want a no-frills retirement, you need to have $860,000 to retire. I think if nothing else shows the cost of living crisis in New Zealand, that figure alone does, right? If you want to be able to have a choice between, um, I don't know, getting regular groceries and maybe having some ice cream as well, you have to have $860,000 by the time you retire. I have no idea how I'm going to do this, right? I'm 28 years old. I have no KiwiSaver. I still haven't had a real job. I'm still a student, so um, I'm trying to figure out how to make it work. Well, the solution I came to in the end was... I needed to get a job, so I got a job working for Uber Eats. I now go out every night and you know, deliver some um, food for people, and they give me money. And um, I figured out, unfortunately, I've got a bit of a stiff back. So if you see me kind of quite robotic today, it's because I've been getting in and out of my car a lot recently. Um, but yeah, so the first thing that they make you do is they make you visualise what you want. They want you to see the Wagyu steak by the golf course, right? They want you to see that steak and they, they then help you. The next step after that is make a plan. They get you to try to make a plan. How much money do you need to put in per week? And how much, what kind of fund do you need to get your KiwiSaver in? So that's step number two, make a plan. Step number three, though, is manage. It's not enough to just kind of budget. You've got to manage your finances. How are you going to get the $300 a month that you need to put into your KiwiSaver? I have no idea. But I know that I need to figure out something. So that's what Uber Eats is trying to do for me, helping me manage my finances so hopefully I can continue to contribute money. And apparently, if I do all this stuff, it'll all just work out. You know, that's what they all say. They want your money, so they just tell you. I'm sure they've got some plans. I trust the finance people. Um, but at the same time, my KiwiSaver has dropped three grand, and I can't explain it. Um, okay, so that's... That's what's been on my mind recently, but I think as I was preparing this sermon, 
I realized that probably the preoccupation with now and with money wasn't that good. I want to be preoccupied not with earthly things, but with heavenly things. I think if you want to know what is, the, what is in one sentence, what is this message about? It's that we as Christians shouldn't be driven by fear. We should, driven by, we should be driven by hope. Shouldn't be driven by fear about the markets or inflation or losing your job. Should be driven by hope. The, the song we just sung, right? Uh, Amazing Grace said, His word my hope secures. And the greatest hope for the Christian is God. God is the greatest hope for the Christian. Okay, so one sentence, what this message is about. You as a Christian belong in heaven, and therefore you should set your minds on things above and not on the things of the earth. You, and, you as a Christian belong in heaven, and therefore you should set your mind on things above, not on the things of the earth. There are two different points. You can see them in our passage if you look at Colossians chapter 3. The first point is that we should put to death earthly things. And the second point is that we should put on heavenly things. Put to death earthly things. Put on heavenly things. That's my sermon today. See if you can see that in our passage as I read Colossians chapter 3 verses 1 to 17. It might be up on the screen. It might not. If not, read from your Bible. I'll read it now. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is, seated at the right hand of God. Set your mind on the things that are above and not on the things that are on earth. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you will also appear with him in glory." Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. In these two, you once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them all away. Anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put off the old self with its practices, and you have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge after the image of its creator. Here in the church, there is not Greek or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all, and Christ is in all. Therefore... Put on as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness, and patience, bearing with one another, and if anyone has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all of these, put on love, which binds everything together in perfect harmony. And let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called with one body, and be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your heart to God. And whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, 
giving thanks to God the Father through him. Okay, so that's the passage we're looking at. I promise the sermon won't be as long as it probably seems like it will be. The first point is slightly larger than the second point. Once we hit the second point, we're kind of like sprinting home. So just a forewarning for you guys as listeners, if it feels like the first point's dragging out and you're starting to think about lunch, hang in there. We're going to get there. Okay, so let's have a look at point number one. Put to death the things of the earth. That's our first point, and you can see that in verses 5 to 11. Put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you. That's something to keep in mind. We as Christians sometimes become preoccupied with earthly concerns. It should shock us that Paul, unlike us sometimes, is very focused on heaven. He does think that heavenly-minded people are of earthly good. I'm not saying don't care about the environment or anything like that. Brush my teeth this morning with a bamboo toothbrush, drive a hybrid car. But what I'm saying is you have to be heavenly-minded if you want to be of earthly good. And I think that's Paul's approach. And so if that feels a little weird to you, maybe just listen a little bit better. Keep listening to Paul. I think he knows a lot about how to be a Christian. So that shock, if it shocks you, that sort of, what is this about? You know, not being earthly, got to be heavenly. If that feels a little bit countercultural, just sit with that tension and think about maybe I need to be more heavenly minded as a Christian. So let's have a look at that together. I want to think about why should we be motivated to live for heaven and not for earth? Why should we be motivated to live for heaven and not for earth? Paul gives us a couple of different reasons in our passage. The first and most immediate one is what he says in verse 6. On account of these things, on account of the sins that we do, the wrath of God is coming. Paul is telling you, if you want to know in a very simple term, if you continue living in sin, even if you profess to be a Christian, he is telling you that you will face judgment. It's very important. I might not feel comfortable with that truth, but that's what Paul is saying. He says that if you look in verse 6. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry, on account of these, the wrath of God is coming. And so, if you are a Christian and living in these kinds of sins, Paul's telling you, you ought to think about the wrath of God. You should think about judgment. And so, you can be held accountable, if you might be professing to be a Christian, but if your life is given over to the things of the earth, you could be held accountable on judgment day. It's my duty to tell you that as a preacher. Not a comfortable truth but it's something you need to know. And so you should put to death those earthly things. I think that's one part of it. Another part, though, is you're choosing what you invest in every day, right? Say you get $50, what company are you going to put this $50 in? Who are you going to back with that? Well, say you know, for example, that the company is about to go bankrupt. They've been doing all this illegal stuff. The government's going to pull them aside and is going to tell them off for doing all the illegal things. You're not about to put $50 into that company because they're about to be declared unjust. They're about to be declared illegal. So you're not going to put your $50 into that company. That's kind of like what's going on here. You choose every day, if, you choose, if you're choosing between sin and righteousness, you choose where you put your investment. 
where you put your money. If you put your money in sin, you're backing a horse that's going to lose. You're backing a horse that's going to pass away. That's what the Apostle John says. The world is passing away as well as its desires. But he who does the will of God will abide forever. And so that's the flip side, not just the fear of judgment, but also that this world is temporary. If you live in this worldly system and live in this sinful earthly system, and you invest in it all your life, you'll find at the end of your life you've got nothing to show for your investments. And so as you wake up in the morning, you're thinking, what am I going to do today? And you're weighing up the things, and there's those desires in your heart tugging. You can feel the pull of sin, feel the pull of earthly-mindedness, even just a preoccupation with money, or living in a godly sense, being thankful like we learned, being thankful for the good things in our lives. You should yield to the, the godly desires and resist the earthly, sensual, sinful desires because these things last forever and this thing is passing away. That's what you need to know. That's motivation number one. Motivation number two is in verses one to four. Um, Very simply, you as a Christian belong in heaven because of what Christ's done. So you belong in heaven. If then you've been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated. You've been raised with Christ. You belong with him. He's in heaven. You have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ, who is your life, appears, you'll appear with him in glory. So let's think about that for a second. What is the difference between Christ and a Kiwi saver? I'm going to sum it up really quickly. Okay, so Kiwi saver, on the one hand, you visualize what you want. You plan what you need to do in order to get what you want. You think, so you think about the, the Wagyu steak. You're like, okay, I need $300 a month, and I need to put it into this Kiwi saver scheme, maybe the growth scheme or the aggressive scheme. Okay, and then now I need to manage my money in order to get those $300 a month. So you manage your money. And so Kiwi Saver says, here's what you want and here's what you've got to do. Christ says, here's what you want. You want heaven. And here's what Christ has done. He's done these other steps. But because Christ has done these things, it affects how we live not because we're trying to earn heaven, but because Christ has earned heaven on our behalf. It's like your greatest financial assets, Christ has taken care of them. You're a beneficiary of a trust, and Christ is the trustee, and he's managed everything. And so because you have heaven, you don't need to try to live for the world. You can live for God. That's the difference between Christ and a Kiwi saver. Okay, so let's, let's think really quickly, what should we put to death? Paul talks about three things. Put to death the earthly heart attitudes and passions. That's in verses 5 and 6. I'll just read that to you. Put to death earthly heart practices and patterns. Put to death, therefore, what's earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, covetousness, which is idolatry, On account of these things, the wrath of God is coming. And then the second thing that Paul tells us to put to death um, is in... Sorry, one second here. The second thing that Paul tells us to put to death 
as earthly ways of speaking. And that's in verses 7 and 8. In these you too once walked when you were living in them, but now you must put them away. You must put away anger, wrath, malice, slander, and obscene talk from your mouth. Do not lie to one another, seeing that you've put on the, off the old self and its practices, and you've put on the new self. And so it affects how we speak, and it primarily affects, in this context, how we speak of each other in the local church. If you've ever gossiped about another believer, you've ever said anything about them that's unhelpful, you've ever kind of said, oh, well, you know, so-and-so, she's always doing this or always doing that, you need to put that to death. That's not a, it's not a godly way of speaking. And, and maybe you need to go and apologise to that person. We can't be divided as people who are Christians. That's the third thing we need to put to death. We need to put to death earthly ways of identifying Here in the church, there's not Greek or Jew, there's not circumcised or uncircumcised, there's not barbarian, slave, free, but Christ is all. Christ is everything, and Christ is in everyone. And I can see even now, there's a a kind of like thing going on, you've got masks, not masks. You probably think about vaccinated, unvaccinated, and maybe as you're thinking about who to talk to at the end of the church service, it's easier to be divided by these earthly ways of thinking. I'm not saying you shouldn't have your own conscience about them. I'm saying that that conscience decision that you've made on that, on that issue shouldn't define your fellowship. You should be as comfortable talking within reason to someone who has a mask on or doesn't have a mask on. You shouldn't be sort of an in-club where, you know, it's like the, the kids at school, you're getting picked for the team, you get to wear the bib, you know, and you're, now you're all cool because you've got the bib on. That shouldn't be the way that we think as Christians. We should put to death earthly things. You know, I did, I did something quite interesting after high school. Me and my friends gathered at my parents' house, and we lit a little brazier in the corner of our property. And uh, we didn't tell our parents about this. We had a little party. We took all our high school textbooks. The things that we used to identify with and we burned them all, and all their rules. And then we thought, well, we're putting on adulthood, putting on a new set of things, you know. We were these great adults. We don't need those high school textbooks and all their dumb knowledge now. We were great big individual 18-year-old people ready to take on the world. That's kind of like you as a Christian. The rules that used to define your life no longer define your life anymore. Those passions, those desires, the things that you were a slave to then, you're an adult. You don't need to be living in those things anymore. And you don't need those high school textbooks anymore. And so sin shouldn't define us as Christians. Okay, that's our first point. Put to death the things of the earth. Here's our second point. Put on the things of heaven. So now we've burned our high school textbooks. Paul calls us to put on Christian adulthood. You can see that in the second point. Put on the things of heaven. That's in verses 12 to 17. He says, Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts. That's a sum of everything that he's about to say. Compassionate hearts. Remember that passage? Forgiving each other as Christ has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. The character of a Christian is primarily Christocentric. It's it's being like Christ. Christ has forgiven you. 
He exercised compassion to you. Remember you and your sin? Before you, became, you came to Jesus, remember you're sitting in the church, right? You feel convicted all of the things you've done, and there's the preacher or there's the song going on, and you realize Christ can forgive me for everything I've done. Remember that feeling, the way that Christ looked at you and thought of you? That compassion that he showed you. You realize this guy is so great. He is me, miserly and weak in my sin, and yet Christ loves me. That is the heart of Christ that you felt in that moment. And that's the heart that you should have as a Christian. Have a compassionate heart, willing to forgive even the most messy, ugly sinner, you know? You have that heart of compassion that characterizes your whole life as a Christian. Simply put, we belong in heaven with Christ, and so we are to live like Christ here. His life on earth was characterized by that compassion, being gentle with people, and ultimately being compassionate enough to die to take away their sin. And he continues like that with us today from heaven now. And we're called to live as his disciples here on earth in our earthly sojourn as people that are like Christ. So that shapes how we live. It should change our hearts. We're to put on compassionate hearts. It should change how we treat others in the church. That's in verses 13 to 15. Bearing with one another, and, it, and if any has a complaint against each other, forgiving each other as the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. It should make us rejoice in Christ and his word. We should let the word of Christ dwell in us richly, and we should sing songs on a Sunday that help us think of the word of Christ. Fourth, it should change everything we do. That's what he says in the last passage there, verse 17. Whatever you do, in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So, this heavenly-minded business, thinking about everything that you have in Christ, it isn't impractical. It's not a sort of ascetic religion where you go as a monk and live in a closet and think about Jesus and you know, sort of sing kumbaya by yourself, but don't help anyone in this world. The experience of having your devotions in the morning as a Christian, that fuels everything you do throughout the day. You do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. And I think that's the key there. That attitude of gratitude, the thinking about the good things that God has done for you, means that this doesn't feel like a burden. It could feel like a burden, right? Being a Christian, well, now I have to do everything for Jesus. I have to think about God and everything. That could come at you a bit like a burden. It entirely depends on your attitude. If your attitude is fueled by gratitude, though, everything becomes light. I get to do everything for Jesus because he has done everything for me. And so that's why recognizing everything you have in heaven changes, changes it. If you think about what he's done, what he has accomplished for you, and you really see it for the goodness that it is, and really appreciate it, it can easily fuel your obedience. And so that's why it's so important to meditate on heaven, to set your mind on things above. 
so you can have a heart of gratitude for the things that he's doing now. You, my dear fellow Christian, are a butterfly. You're a butterfly. You used to be a caterpillar, crawling along on the earth, eating among the leaves, always eating, right? Trying to stuff your mouth with all the desires that you have, fill your heart with all the food you're eating. But God has taken you and he's made you through Christ a chrysalis and you have become now a butterfly. It would be wrong for a butterfly to live its life crawling among the leaves because it has wings. It can fly. You're designed for heaven. You're designed for the skies. And so if you live these days for sin and its desires, you're like a butterfly who never takes off from the branch. I'm not saying that the butterfly never lands and never has earthly concerns. I'm not saying you don't figure out how your Kiwi saver should work or go to work and make money and things like that. But I'm saying you're missing out if you're only living in earthly land with earthly desires. You have wings on your back. You're designed for heaven and a fundamental transformation has taken place. And so if you live for the things of the earth, you're missing out as a Christian and you're not fulfilling your identity. You are designed for heaven. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I pray that we would recognize the significance of everything that you've done for us. I thank you that in Jesus you have taken away our sin and the old identity that we used to have. Thank you that we've died in you. Thank you that through Jesus' resurrection, we have the power of the Holy Spirit so that we can live a new life. Thank you that Christ has ascended to heaven and that he lives there and is preparing a place for us there now. Heavenly Father, we thank you that we know that these things are secure. Many things in our lives are not secure. We don't know what retirement will bring and whether we'll have enough money. But we know what heaven brings, and we know that we will be with you there. We pray that we would think about that and that that would shape how we live. In Jesus' name, amen.